I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. We're continuing our conversation with Representative Robert Spenlove, who spoke with Boyd Matheson on why Americans have lost faith in the economy and what the Fed needs to do to get the markets back on track. Here's Boyd Matheson and Representative Robert Spenlove. I want to get one more question in on this before we shift to some of the things happening in the in the banking side of things. Uh, and that is just looking at uh, kind of where the American people are in general as opposed to where – uh, things are happening in Washington, D.C. Of course, we've been going through funding of government and debt ceiling increases and uh, big agenda items uh, for the president uh, and his party. And it's interesting that the the American people, uh, everything I've seen shows that the vast majority of Americans, 80 to 90 percent, uh, say that they worry that the worst of inflation is ahead of us, not behind us, uh, kind of uh, – getting to where I think the Fed finally realized that this, uh, I think in the spring the Fed was saying it wasn't a thing and then it was a transitory thing. And now I think they're saying, well, it is a thing uh, that we'll have to deal with. But how, how is everything going on in Washington, that inflation and what Americans are feeling at the grocery store and at the gas pump? Uh, how, how is that playing in and what are you watching for in that space? Yeah, that, that, that's a great question. Uh, you know, because one of the interesting dynamics is uh, the, the reason we're having this high inflation is because the economy is doing so well. And, uh, you know, the economy is growing really well. GDP, gross domestic product, is growing well. We're seeing, you know, positive job growth. But if you look at measures of consumer confidence, uh, that there's, you know, two main measures. There's the, the conference board and the uh, University of, uh, of Michigan. Both uh, do regular consumer confidence surveys. Uh, consumer confidence is dropping, and consumers don't feel like the economy is doing well. They don't, they don't recognize the strength of the economy, and it's because of that inflation. Inflation can be very detrimental to, to people's uh, pocketbooks, especially low income. And so we've seen just in the last few weeks that consumer confidence dropping more and more. And then uh, the, the University of Michigan asked another question, which is, what do you expect inflation to be a year from now? And uh, consumers expect inflation to continue to be high over the next year. And that's a critical question because essentially it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Um, if, if consumers expect inflation to be higher, then it's going to be higher. And so that is really taking a toll on how people feel about their, you know, about the economic health of the country and also their own personal economic health. Yeah. Uh, I want to shift to uh, to one other item uh, with you, Robert, before we let you jet out. 
Uh, and that is uh, this area you mentioned earlier, just what the Fed is doing in terms of uh, infusing things into the market and bonds and so on. Uh, and it's interesting that uh, despite uh, a lot of that uh, asset purchasing, uh, lending remains really depressed. Uh, give us a little insight into that. Why Why is that when there seems there should be capital everywhere uh, and yet it doesn't seem to be that lending is uh, is going up or those uh, those investments are going in? Yeah, so the, the, there, there's an interesting dynamic. Generally, when the Fed uh, uh, purchases assets, uh, those assets then get, you know, the, the way the Fed injects money into the economy, they, they purchase these assets, then they, they go out to the banks, and then the banks lend them out. Um, but starting in 2008, the Fed began paying interest on what we call bank reserves, so the, the, the money that the banks don't lend out. Now, that, that's kind of an encouragement, you know, in a way – for the banks not to lend money out as much because they can they can make uh, uh, money just on the the assets that they have in their in their reserves, and so that has resulted in less lending activity uh, than uh, than you would expect. But then on the other side, it's also resulted in higher bank regulation, which again makes banks and and credit unions uh, more nervous about how and to whom they lend out money. So that has actually kind of had a, a, a suppressing effect on, you know, on the actions of the Fed. And I think if you take it holistically, um, it, it's also an indication that the more active the Fed becomes just in general, um, uh, the more reliant uh, uh, we all become on the actions of the Fed. So the more they do, the more we get addicted to kind of this free money. And ultimately, what what I think the Fed needs to be doing is they need to be kind of stepping back. They need to let markets operate. They need to let free markets do what they do and, uh, and you know, uh, allow the economy to kind of react the way it traditionally has. Uh, I, I, there's, uh, there's a whole bunch I want to unpack in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but one, uh, just this idea of this increased activity in terms of, uh, of regulations – uh, talk to us about that just a little bit. Uh, we often talk about you know overreaching reg- regulation and how ultimately that gets passed on to the consumer uh, in terms of goods and, and services, but it also plays into into banking and and I think even some of this as you mentioned uh, around lending. If you're nervous that suddenly you're going to have to deal with a whole bunch more regulations, uh, maybe you you feel like you got to keep a little more on reserve to to cover all of that. Kind of break that down for us a little bit. Yeah, and, and if you think about banking, it's traditionally been a very personal activity. You know, uh, 50 years ago, if, if you wanted to get a loan for a house or for a car or for a business, uh, you'd go into your bank or credit union. You'd have you, you generally had a relationship with that banker, with the lender, and you'd say, "Hey, you know, uh, Tom or Jan, I, I need help." Uh, here's what I want to do. And, you know, and you have that relationship of trust and they'd say, okay, well, here's how we can work with you. We can help you out. We can do this and we'll, we'll, you know, uh, uh, keep close track of what's going on and kind of follow up. So what's happened really since the, uh, the great recession is the, the, the federal reserve and well, the federal government in general became much, much more active in controlling that process. And so it's removed that personal relationship that uh, that financial institutions 
have traditionally had. And it's essentially whatever we do, whatever a, a lender does, they have to be able to justify it to those regulators. They have to uh, subject that to a, you know stress testing or oversight from different federal agencies. And so it's not only has it kind of removed that personal relationship, but it's also made it more expensive. It's made it more difficult for uh, uh, for financial institutions to kind of help out the market and to be able to provide that kind of th- th- those financial resources. What uh, a fascinating conversation uh, that Boyd just had with uh, Robert Spenlove, who uh, is a an executive for for Zions Bank, uh, also a, a state representative. Amy Winter Newton filling in for Boyd uh, with me, Dave Noriega, and. There was one thing specifically that he said that that really caught my attention. He said, we have become addicted to the Fed. So the Fed making decisions, the Fed being active. And he said, what what we need to see is them take a step back because we have been tapping into the Fed with all of our stimulus programs, uh, COVID relief. We've basically asked the Fed to find us several trillion dollars, and they have. And now it seems like we're paying a little bit of that price through inflation. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was interesting when he talked about consumer confidence in the market and how when uh, the public starts to think that there's inflation, that it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts, where then that does create bigger issues for us. And so let's all go to bed tonight and just think... No inflation, and maybe that will. <laughs> is it we that can, easy? We can turn Sweet. it back. I hope it is. So, if there's a psychological component, maybe that's that's helpful. Yeah, I think consumer confidence it is a tricky thing because the unemployment is low, uh, wages are high, especially for those low income earners. You know, we're not talking about seven twenty five, the minimum wage. I mean, you can go. Uh, and make twelve to fifteen dollars just about anywhere, whether it's retail, whether it's fast food. So there have been some huge changes uh, for the positive. But I think again, when we're talking about consumer confidence, we can undercut a lot of those those big steps forward if we just don't trust and we kind of hoard that money and we don't invest and we don't take out loans. That can be rough for the economy. When we come back. Uh, we're going to break a little bit more, uh, break down a little bit more of that conversation that Boyd and, and Mr. Spenlove had. I, and I, I got to ask you about this. The workforce is not returning since the pandemic. And there's three, there, there's three groups, retirees, women, and the less educated who are not returning to the workforce. Is there anything we can do about that? Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. 
find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.